0: And everyone, we are here live on No Vision Internet Radio. Today is Saturday, August the 8th. And today we're going to have an interesting show with our guest. It's going to be Mr. Carlos Gallinat. He is running for mayor of our sweet, beautiful city of El Paso. And Mr. Positas, how are you doing today, sir?
1: Good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, thanks. Uh, It's a beautiful day today.
0: Amen to that. So today's August the 8th, sir, uh, people, and uh, we're here on Facebook Live. We traditionally run on our, also stream live on our website, No Vision Internet Radio, but unfortunately, the gear that we ordered didn't come in, so we won't be able to, be able to stream live on our website. tomorrow Next week, we will. But Mr. Bautista, so how was your week, sir?
1: It was great. Uh, you know, um, not, not, nothing new, nothing, you know. Out of the ordinary, but I stayed home, kept myself from going out. Uh, Virus, I you know hear too many things. It's getting worse. Um, The numbers are growing, and uh, it's just uh, it's scary. It's very scary.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. And the thing is that the the numbers, the matter of fact, seems that our death toll right now in El Paso is 291, and uh, that's 291 families that you know the family. And that doesn't sound like a lot. It doesn't.
1: But it's still but it, a lot. It, it,
0: I mean, come on. And the thing is that, you know, people need to take that, that uh, the issue serious and, and uh, hopefully one of these days we'll have a time where we just go back to normal, I guess, if, they, if that's what you call it. But it is what it is, Mr. Bautista. I mean, what can we do, you know? I mean, for the, families, the people in,
1: in Houston, tell me, well, they're, 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 yeah.
0: You know, I mean, what can we do? I mean, just the virus has us right now. We have no, no vaccine and all we had to, all we could do, is do our due diligence and take care of ourselves, wash our hands, and and um, take care of our families. You know, wear masks, and but some people don't, and that's the president. You know, the president, he has,
1: yeah.
0: You know, yeah. So, but you're going to ask me a question earlier, Mister Mister What are you going to ask me a question about? Well, I was going to
1: ask you. I have a riddle for you. I don't know if you if you know who said. Just, you
0: know who said you, that? Mr. Balsi just just technology. Right, right when you said that, it cut off. Say it again.
1: I said uh, it is what it is. Do you know who said that?
0: Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about, folks. This is this is our dear president. So listen to this, folks. Just tell me what you think.
2: Jonathan Swan is with us this morning. We've been talking for days now about his interview for Axios on HBO when he sat down with President Trump. Here's another clip where the president defends his administration's handling of the coronavirus pandemic. Let's watch. I've covered you for a long time. I've I've gone to your rallies. I've talked to your people. They love you. They listen to you. They listen to every word you say. They hang on your every word. They don't listen to me or the media or Fauci. They think we're fake news. They want to get their advice from you. And so when they hear you say everything's under control, don't worry about wearing masks, I mean, these are people, many of them are older people, well, Mr. President. What's your
0: definition of control? Yeah. Under it's the giving them a false sense right? of security.
2: Now I think it's under control. I'll tell you what. How? A thousand Americans are dying a day.
0: They are dying. That's true. And you, ha- it is what it is. But that doesn't mean we are doing everything well, it is what it is, Mr. <laughs> Bautista. I mean, <laughs> that's that's sad. Your own president saying it is what it is. One
1: hundred sixty thousand people died, and it is what it is. Yeah,
0: it is what it is. And you know what it is? Is his his mantra of not wearing a mask before. Now he wore a mask once in a while, but people, Americans, are taking that to heart. And just this week, Mr. Bautista in um in uh, uh what's the name of that in South Dakota. There's over 250,000 mo- motorcycle riders that are going to stretch st- streets I think it's called. But let's listen to, this, listen, listen, listen to the clip.
2: The massive gathering taking place tonight in South Dakota in the middle of the pandemic. The annual biker rally in Sturgis, one of the largest in the world, 250,000 people from across the country expected to attend with no mask mandates in place. The mayor urging personal responsibility, saying he can't stop people from coming. ABC's Trevor Ald in Sturgis right now. Tonight, the coronavirus pandemic isn't stopping hundreds of thousands of bikers from rumbling into Sturgis, South Dakota, just as they have for 80 years. Was it a done deal you were going to come Done deal. I don't care about the COVID. Cases in South Dakota have been rising slightly, but Governor Kristi Noem encouraged people to come, citing the president's Mount Rushmore rally as a success. The common characteristic among these bikers is they love freedom and they hate being told what to do. Even though a survey said the majority of Sturgis residents wanted this rally canceled, 250,000 people are coming here to make this the largest event in America since the pandemic began. It's the first year we've ever ever wore a mask coming to Sturgis. <laughs> the city didn't advertise the rally this year, but they knew the crowds were inevitable. Rallies a lifeline for businesses, bringing in six hundred fifty million dollars last year.
3: We just kind of took an attitude that whatever happened was what was going to happen, and we
0: just had to roll with it. All right, so I'm going stop us there. Did you, did you hear six hundred fifty million dollars, Mr. Baltista? That's more than a life, I guess.
1: Yeah, well, it, it's okay. it's all about money. It's not mm-hmm. about uh, about people. It's all about money and Unfortunately, for the the people who you know, are, are you know can't uh, save money, uh, it, it's very unfortunate for them because they can't go anywhere and they've got to go to work and yeah. you know they're forced to work under conditions that that uh, well you know get them sick. But these people are—it's are, it, a joke.
0: Yeah. and is it you, the
1: guy? Oh, it's, it's, it's like, huh? yeah. go along with whatever goes, you know.
0: Yeah, like you hear that one guy? Oh, it's COVID. I'm just, it's not going to stop me. And, you know, I mean, yeah. And then, and then, yeah, well, Mr. Bautista, check this out. So, in schools, right, they're opening. Now, is it here in El Paso? Are they open already or not till next week?
1: No, no, no. But I think they're all just going virtual. They're not going, uh, as far as I know, they're not going face to face. No, no, not I, here. Yeah, no, no, no. It's just virtual.
0: So it's not; it hasn't started yet, has it? No. <clears throat> so the reason I'm bringing this up because in Georgia they brought up um they opened the schools there and they're open to the public or open something they're open face to face. I'm not sure which particular school district, but this you know, little girl, or young girl, actually high school student, she took a video and photos of her um of the hallways of all the kids that are packed like sardines, shoulder to shoulder, no face mask, and she you know she put that on social media. And the president, the principal reached out and suspended her, suspended her, Mr. Baltista. And he put it, he went on the intercom and says that, you know, to watch out not to be doing that. And I mean, you want to listen to it? You want to, you, think I'm, you think I'm lying? Check this out. Yeah, has
2: the third largest system in the nation is going all virtual for all public schools in the Windy City starting in the fall. This has new fallout over that alarming video of students packing a school hallway mini without masks and now the mother of the student who recorded that video says her child has been suspended janae norman joins us now with more janae good morning to you
3: hey dj good morning yeah you've seen those images of students essentially shoulder to shoulder in packed hallways where social distancing didn't even really appear possible it was alarming for many who saw them the school principal saying that school leaders are doing their best but now warning students against posting anything that paints the school in a negative light more fallout this morning over this viral photo of a hallway packed with students, many not wearing masks. The mother of the student who recorded this video inside North Paulding High School during class change says the young whistleblower has been suspended for sharing the images online.
4: Anything that's going on social media is negative our light.
3: And then this stern warning from the school's principal over the PA shared online by one of his students.
2: There will be consequences for those students or anyone who sends out those pictures, so please be careful.
3: In the same district at Abney Elementary School, Nurse Amy Westmoreland resigning, saying it's just not safe enough to return to school. Part of my job as a nurse is to heal the sick, not to make them sick. Um, And I felt that given my role, I've been in a lot of situations where I could infect children and other adults in the building, the same battle playing out across the
0: hall so what do you think mr baltista i mean well uh, again
1: the they don't want transparency and 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 of course you know you can tell that this this, this principle he's it, got to be a trump trump principle because he, his job is to protect and in the yep. safeguard the kids yep. and he's not doing it and 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 not worse is, is he's he's going to penalize anybody who you know who shows the, those types of um, the type what,
0: what of information we, honestly mr policy just common sense or even i don't know would just, why would a principal you know strategically go on the intercom and warn his kids really bullying them you know watch out or you're gonna get it and then suspend the students that posted that thing on the on social media and, and just what why are they, what, what are they trying to hide what are they trying well, to hide by you know doing that
1: well you you would think that they would be the opposite and say you know see that's an example of what we don't want. You need to wear masks. You need to you know,
4: exactly.
1: space yourself, you know, six feet away and you need to, you know, make sure that you are, you know, washing your hands and all that. And instead, you know, they're, they're going against the, it's just like, just like Trump, he's going against his own scientists, you know, who's, who are saying, you know, you have to wear a mask in order to protect the public. And he's saying, no, you know, I, I ain't worried about it. Well, of course not. He's, you know, he, He's well protected. He's tested twice a day or three times a day, or as many times as he wants wants to. You and I can't do that. I can't go in and get tested uh, anytime I want to.
0: Not only that, but anyone that comes close to the president or potentially—I don't know if you saw um I couldn't find the audio clip for that. But the Ohio president or Ohio governor. The governor.
1: Yeah, he, he got he, he got
0: positive, it. and then now he's negative because they said that the yeah. test wasn't done right. But that's what you were saying, Mr. Boss. He said he, the president has, of course, he has to be protected. But we don't have that luxury to be, that someone comes to our house. Hold on, let me test you. <laughs> you're coming in. You have yeah. it. Hey, matter of fact, Mr. Post, said, tell me that story. You're telling about the family in Juarez.
1: Oh my gosh, my gosh. We, this this lady we we have known for years. She, she her her lady that uh, comes to clean her house. Um, they they live in Juarez, and there was four sisters, including her. Well, there's four with her. They have a uh, they had a nephew that. Uh, as a taxi driver in Juarez and he would go and have breakfast with them every morning. And uh, he, he had, he started having like a, a cold or a cough and stuff. And the nephew's nieces told him not to come home. Oh, it's just, it's just a cold. And then the, the ladies wanted him to, to, you know, share their breakfast with him. Well, all four of them caught the virus and all four of them are dead.
0: Wow. That's...
1: It's a uh, sisters, four sisters gone just like that.
0: And there's that's and that's what I tell people the virus don't care who you are who you're related to and oh it's my tio that's my tia that's my mom yeah. she don't have it or and, it's not in and,
1: and in Juarez especially, well, they don't have the facilities, the, you know, the resources to take. You know, if you come in and you, you know sick to the hospital, that there's not much they can do for you. No? They, you know, they'll they'll try, but you know, you if you make it, you make it. If you don't, you you know, they just you don't. Oh, and, well, that, like and that's that. not.
0: Mr. Paltese, like the president says, it is what it is.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I guess <laughs> <You> know,
0: so. <laughs> that's sad, you know, in a few minutes, folks, you're listening to No Vision Internet Radio. Uh, we're going to be having uh, Carlos Gaiñad. He, uh, you know, gave us a great pleasure of having him. Uh, we've, our attention here at the show is to bring you different contexts and topics. Uh, for example, we've had uh, Ivan Rosales, uh, district attorney. We've had Veronica Carahad, uh also mayor, had, running for mayor. Uh, We've had a Jerry Carnes. So we're we're trying to be in different contexts. Jerry Carnes was a a comedian or is a comedian. So we want to be in different contexts. And uh, next week is her. uh, Next week, we're going to have Alexandra Anello, district two representative. She is running for re-election. So that should be a real good show. She is for the people. Um, And we'll talk to Carlos about the city manager's raise and what he thinks about that and whatnot. But I want to switch subjects real fast, Mr. Bautista, because you brought up something yesterday that really... You know the Black Lives Matter is a, is for me is a is a true movement. It wants to bring change, and some people twist it. And uh, there's this person on on the internet called Tommy L-A-H-N-E-R, I believe. And she's she's a, a, a I believe she's from Kentucky or Tennessee. She's a conservative uh, talk host show uh, talk radio show host, and she was uh, yesterday or the day before she was kind of like demanding she's white, demanding why. She wants to know why the black movement, why they, why are they protesting the, the police? Why? And I'm like, well, you haven't lived it. You haven't been, you haven't been, uh, uh, you assaulted. Know, <laughs> assaulted. You haven't been, yeah. so, I, I was insulted. I'm not even, and she's like, well, how dare you ask someone, say, why are you protesting? Why? Yeah, she's, she's a, a, a white young woman. And, and the reason I say that, we have to bring this into context. She's asking the Black Lives Movement to justify what they're doing. And Mr. Bautista brought up a uh, story to me yesterday or the, this week. And I think, folks, you need to hear this. This is happening in Colorado. It was a family that was stopped by the police. And they're, uh, a, I'm, I'm saying a family, folks. Family. Kids and a mom. And All girls. All girls. Okay, check this All out. All girls. They had them on the floor in the heat. And a lady um, was was videotaping it and she showed it and the car they stopped supposedly because of a stolen vehicle. Folks, it was supposed to be a stolen bike. Check this out.
5: Tonight was supposed to be about Aurora choosing a permanent police chief and committing to a new direction.
2: Well, at least that's one way to look at it. Another is that Aurora committed to a new direction months ago. We're still talking about the same old things. Over
5: the weekend, police pulled over and handcuffed a family they believed was driving a stolen car.
2: But as Denver 7's Jessica Porter reports, that car wasn't stolen. In fact, Aurora should not have even been looking for a car at all.
3: Terrified children scream for their mother, surrounded by police and detained over suspicion they were driving a stolen vehicle. Why are you now placing these children on the ground, face into the concrete? It's hot, in front of all of us and screaming at them, and they're telling you they're hurt. Jenny Wirtz was in the parking lot of this shopping center on Buckley and Iliff in Aurora. She says a police car slowly pulled behind the family, and the officer drew their weapon on not just the driver, but the children. The first officer stayed in her car and had the gun pointed and ordered like, the driver out. Several of the children were handcuffed. Wirtz says officers tried to bully her and to not recording them. That makes me very mad because I am not anti-police. I am anti what happened yesterday, and that was ridiculous. But the car the family was driving was, in fact, not stolen. And the vehicle Aurora police should have been looking for is a motorcycle that happens to have the same plate number in a different state. Video shows over a dozen officers responded and continued to arrive even after police realized no crime was committed. I do not think a stolen vehicle is worth traumatizing the lives of children, not to mention the fact that I was 20 feet away with a drawn gun. They didn't even tell me to move. Aurora police say officers drew their weapons because it's part of their unwritten policy for a high risk stop. The chief blamed the incident on a license plate reader even though the vehicle wasn't a motorcycle. I totally understand that family's anger,
5: so I don't want to diminish that anger, but I will say that it wasn't a profiling incident. It was, um, it was...
0: Well, Mr. Bautista, I mean, there you go, man. There you go. I mean, we have over force of the police, you know, and I understand they've got to do what they got to do, but I don't well, know. Wait, what- can, you,
1: can you see what the, the the dramatization is going to take place on that six-year-old? That's a six-year-old? Not, a, you know, not an adult or a, or a, a you know, a young man. It was a six-year-old girl and, you know, 6, 12, 14, and say, I think 17 or 16. Uh, th- those kids are going to, are, are you know, they're not going to forget that. They're going to be traumatized by no. that. And, and all they wanted, no. all they wanted, the police wanted to do is say, I'm sorry, after two hours.
0: Two hours? And that's the thing that, you know, hours. we need to understand. That's why the police, you know, it is where there's a black movement. You know, it's sad and so we're going to be talking to uh, Mr. Oscar Carlos Gainad. He's running for mayor of El Paso. Uh, this gentleman, uh, he's been with the city. He's been with EPIST, He had a lot, of, a lot of knowledge and background again, uh, behind him. So uh, Mr. Gainad, I believe he fell into the show.
1: Is he going come on in?
0: He's probably having his audio. So while we, we'll wait for him to come on. Um, yeah. We'll wait for we'll go ahead. so, but the thing is, Mr. said that. Um, so now you know why you know these these youths are so against the police the black youth because I mean, I just don't see why they have to profile these youth, scare them now they're traumatized, like you said, and then later on alive, they're not going to trust the police. It's just a vicious, vicious cycle, yeah.
1: you know? And you know, it's not that they hate the police or that they don't like them, it's just that they fear them. Yep, I mean, the we, we don't fear them here in El Paso because we haven't had that. That uh, kind of climate or you know environment, uh, we have our our individual uh, situations, but they're rare, you know.
0: Yeah, I they're mean, rare. when, they, when the police happen, can... stop you
1: here, when what the cops stop you here, you know, he, it's usually you know professional and and all that. And but I've never been you know in a situation where they dragged me down and you know out of the car or whatever. And uh, except for one time, but that was not the police; that was uh, immigration. They thought I was. <laughs> They thought I was Mexican, which I am.
0: Yeah, right. I, I had a <laughs> Mr. Dainas. he's not on board yet. Yeah, he's not, yet. not on board yet. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had a friend, Mr. Bautista. Uh, he had a friend. He was a student at Bowie High School, and mm-hmm. he, got, he actually really got um, he got assaulted by the border patrol. And he sued, and he won. He won, and then yeah. they they, uh, they thought he was from the uh, he was illegal, and he kept telling me he yeah. wasn't. Well, he had an, he has an accent, but he's from, he's from El Paso. As a matter of fact, he's from Colorado. And uh, he sued and won, and it's just sad, you know. We got profiled, you know. We got profiled, and that's that's not right because you assume what happens when you assume you make an asset out of you and me, right? Yeah. So,
1: and and the and the thing is that this is happening throughout the, the country. It's not it's not just one one police department or one you know one instant instance. It's it's happening throughout the the nation, and it's because okay. we have allowed that militarization of police departments and uh, they no longer serve the people. They think that, you know, they're they're there to to uh, control the people. And that's not their job. You know, that's not their their job.
0: And, you know, when it when it comes to policing, I mean, they have certain strategies that they have to do and to protect us and themselves. And sometimes people might twist that to their own agenda that all the police do this. The police do that. I mean, they have to. They have to, but not to the point where they kill people. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there are yeah. police officers that are bad too, right? But so we're waiting for Mr. Carlos Carlo Gainad. Not sure if he's on board. We can't really tell because I can't see the, the screen if he's on board. Um, hey, I am on board. How are you? Mr. Gainad, good morning, sir. How are you doing?
4: I am. Doing, good morning, Mr. I, Mr. Gainad. This is Jesus Bautista. Como estás, Jesus?
0: Yeah, Muy bien, so gracias. I so am. Today, to
4: check my headphones. If you guys give me a minute, okay, um, hopefully it works.
0: Okay. So uh, we're, we're, we're Mr. Gaiman uh, is setting up. So folks, uh, so our main thing here at the, at the no vision internet radio is to bring you content, like I said earlier. And we're gonna try to do bring uh politicians on board, uh or candidates, my bad, that are running that are running for for political issues. For office. Options. Yeah. So we could kind of educate the voters. Uh a good friend of ours, Abel Rodriguez, has his hashtag voter revolution. And this this year's folks is our chance to get rid of city manager or city uh the mayor, and I think two, three other city council people that we think not really doing good for El Paso, and I do we do appreciate Carlos Gallinat coming into the race to, to, to make a difference. I mean, it takes a lot, folks, to run for political office. You know, you take the jabs and the negative stuff, but there's positive stuff, too, but Mr. Gallinat, I do appreciate you stepping forward. You, like there's the other three candidates that are running for mayor, and I appreciate, we appreciate you doing that because I, I know it takes a lot, it takes a lot of your time, your money, your heart, I know you have a heart for it. So first of all, can you just say, uh, introduce yourself real quick, Mr. Bultz?
4: Yeah. Hey, George and Jesus. First of all, thank you so much for having me on board. I want to make sure that you guys and your listeners can hear me okay. So just can I get a thumbs up just to make sure that you guys can yeah, hear Yeah, we, we you, can hear you. you got a thumbs up here. We can hear you. Excellent. So, so, okay. Before you
0: start, Mr. Guyana, yeah. before you start, I want to show you something. I, I found this, and I, I think it's going to bring back memories. So if you could just just hear this, okay?
5: And a new candidate is throwing his hand in the ring for El Paso mayor. Carlos Gainad, kicking off his campaign this morning in the Lower Valley, Gainad is a former city deputy director of planning. He says he wants to give a voice to the people through a city government that works.
4: I just want to make sure that we create uh, economic prosperity for all El Pasoans. Number one. Number two, that we have a leader at City Hall that is going to defend the border and our border culture and our border community.
5: This morning, Gainad was introduced by El Paso Congresswoman Veronica Escobar. There are now
0: a total of. Well, Mr. Gainad, there you go. There
4: <laughs> uh, first of all, George and Jesus, you guys doing okay? Your families are well and healthy? We're, are- we're doing fine. We're, we're doing fine. Thank you. Amen. I hope yours is too. Uh, Jesus, we're doing good too. Listen, like everyone else, Jesus, we're hunkier, hunkering down in our home. We're uh, wearing our mask. Our, we have our two kids. My daughter, Olivia and Joaquin, learning from home. We have my daughter, uh, My I'm sorry, my wife, Janine, working from home. I'm working from home. I'm running a campaign from home. But we are okay. So thank you for asking. Thank you so much. That's hard. great. That's
0: great so, to hear let that. Let me, me you. ask you, Mr. I'm let me ask you real quick. Um, just on a personal issue, what do you, What's your take on learning from home? Is that do you think that's a good idea? Or do you? Because I hear a lot of people say yes, no, yes. So I don't have kids. I know Mr. Bautista is a retired teacher, but what's what's your, your take on that?
4: You know, George, I mean, obviously nothing replaces the experience of being in a classroom with other with uh, other students and your teachers. And, uh, you know, uh, my kids have been very lucky that they that they have uh, good teachers and, and good programs and good and good schools. I it's been listen. I mean, it's hard. It really is. I mean, are you're not they're not getting the full benefit of, again, being face to face with someone. Uh, for my wife and I, you know, um, we love our kids. We want them to, like every other kid in El Paso, we want them to do well. But yeah, George, listen, if I'm being honest, uh, you know, we're having a balance, our kids being home. We're, you know, I'm in the middle of something and my son Joaquin gets hungry. And so there I go making him a quesadilla. Uh, <laughs> my daughter Olivia, uh, after she's done with whatever she has to do, hey, Dad, can I watch Netflix? Can you sit down with me and watch a little bit of Netflix? Yes. <laughs> Olivia, I'm happy to do it, right? So it's a, it's, it's a little bit more of a balancing act. I, I get, you know, uh, I don't know. I think I'm the only candidate that has uh, young children and, and kids in the public school system. Um, and so, yeah, listen, we're, we're, and then we're campaigning. I have my company that I work out of from my house. Uh, George, it's not, it's not the ideal, but uh, listen, brother, given what many people are going through and what many other El Pasoans are going through, we're very blessed and very lucky.
0: Amen uh, to that. So this,
4: I, I, I will add just one last thing. You know, there's also, I like the idea that I do get to have lunch with my kids.
0: There we go. Hey,
4: you there
0: can't you beat go. that,
4: man. You can't beat that. To get them a little bit closer, but I know that that's not the reality for many families and many households. Uh-huh. And so we, ca- we count our blessings and let's get through this pandemic. Let's make sure that uh, teachers can go back to school safe and students can go back to school safe. Let's make sure that as a city government that we start to uh, give our residents the resources that they need. Uh, uh, that during this pandemic, listen, the governor, George, your question is 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 a great question, but it here's the bottom line, brother. We are on our own. We have a president that has uh, doesn't give a shit. If I'm being honest, we have a governor that doesn't care, and we have a local uh, mayor here who uh, also uh, can do be, can do be can do better for us, and so. It's frustrating. Literally, George, we are on our own, brother. And so yep. it's going to take all of us to take care of each other. It's going to take all of us to wear our mask. Um, it's going to take all of us to check in on each other. Uh, that's, if that's what it's going to take, and it's, you know, for the next six months to 12 months, however long this is going to take, we need to do it, uh, and we need to do it for each other.
0: Yep, amen to that. Yes. So talking about your campaign, Mr. Carlos, um, let's talk about your campaign that, you know, you you brought up. You being an urban developer, I think that really brings a lot to the table regarding the layout of El Paso because that sure. integrates into our quality of life, you know, from transportation to work to school. So can you just give us a platform of your, of your campaign?
4: Yeah, George, so I, I appreciate the question. Listen, my training, my background is in city planning. I have a master's from Rutgers in from New Jersey. Uh, I've had, I was, you know, one of my first jobs out of UTEP was working with the El Paso Community Foundation. Uh, During that time, I uh, helped uh, create affordable housing out in El Paso's colonias, especially in the Far East side. Uh, I then came back in 2005 and worked at La FED doing affordable housing and not only in Segundo Barrio, but in central El Paso and giving kids an opportunity to come back to school through YouthBuild and get them a second chance at life and build affordable housing. And then, as you mentioned, with the city of El Paso, uh, uh, I was a planning director for several years. We integrated smart growth and better planning, especially in our inner core, in our neighborhoods. And like you mentioned, we talked about transportation. And then at EPIC, I, I use my background to uh, get the projects uh, off the ground. And then now with my own company, I do consulting urban planning and real estate development consulting throughout the country. George, all this to say is that I, I do believe that that is a great skill set to have because you have to integrate Uh, neighborhoods. You have to integrate transportation and sidewalks and uh, integrate the population as a whole from people with disabilities to uh, older generations, to young children, to middle-class families, to uh, all past ones need to be included in the development process so that we make sure that we have a city that is competing and a city that is going to uh, provide people options and where they want to live and how they want to live. And currently we're not doing that, right? And so we need to step back a little bit, uh, take uh, stock of what how we have been building for the past 30, 40 years and realize that it's expensive and realize that it's making us uh not healthy, right? We need we need neighborhoods that are gonna make us healthier, we need neighborhoods that are inclusive of everyone, and so yeah, so- I, I love being an urban planner, I think it's a great profession, and I think it's quite frankly the best skill set to have if you want to be mayor of the city. So, what uh do you feel that are the necessary
1: skills of the of a mayor or or what is a mayor's position What what is he or
4: she uh what is their their uh, overall job yeah jesus great question i the very first thing that i would say that a mayor has to do is uh the the mayor sets the tone the mayor sets the agenda the mayor sets the climate not only in city hall but throughout the city right and so you want to make sure that you have someone first and foremost uh jesus and george that is going to listen to you that is going to pay attention to residents, that is going to care, that uh, is going to uh, take the time to listen to folks. Listen, guys, we we may not always agree, right? And that's okay. I'm, I'm okay with not agreeing with folks. I'm okay with having disagreements. But what I'm not okay with is not uh, being of service and not listening to people. And so I think that Jesus, the mayor, again, at the very bottom, at the very top, the very first thing that the mayor needs to do is set the tone, set the leadership, set the culture, listen to people. And then I think you need someone that has experience on different aspects of how a city functions. I was the planning director for about three years. I have an idea of how budgets and development works. I, you know, listen, guys, if I get elected, if I'm lucky to get elected, there's no learning curve right? I'm, I know who to pick up the horn uh, from day one and who to call. I'm not going to need a tutorial. I'm not going to need uh, someone to tell me what to do uh, because one, I've been there not only as a public servant, but as a citizen who works in the realm of planning and development. And and then finally, uh, Jesus, what I would offer is that the the in addition to the mayor setting the tone, the mayor has to set the vision. We have to, listen, we, El Paso is a great city and we have all the ingredients to be I'm not going to exaggerate with what I'm about to say. El Paso has all the ingredients. Listen to what I'm about to say, guys. El Paso has all the ingredients to be the best city in the United States. Amen. I genuinely believe that. I, I it's not an exaggeration. It, the, 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 the problem now is that we haven't had a mayor, at least the last two mayors and the two incumbents that are running, to inspire us, to get us to where we need to go, to help to help us dream and, and think big. And not only dream and think big, but do big right, to get stuff done. And so uh, I really generally, you know, I get so excited when I get asked this question, Jesus, because uh, it really is one of the most important elected positions in the county. Uh, And we need a mayor that's, again, going to listen, going to set the tone, going to give us a vision for what we can do for the next 20, 10, 5, 10, 20, 50 years. Uh, And I think I bring that to the table. I, I, you know, we haven't had a chance to debate other candidates and, and, I really haven't uh, paid attention to what other candidates are saying. Uh, obviously, we're following Margo through the pandemic. You know, he could do a better job. Oscar Leaser is nowhere to be found. Uh, Rome is burning, and that gentleman is nowhere to be found. He's MIA. And so I really don't know what he's going to bring to the table. Um, and so all I could offer is that I believe that of all the different candidates, I'm the one that has the, the, the biggest vision. Uh, and the biggest ideas for how to uh, make Paso again the greatest city in the united states
0: we can get it's funny you say about oscar leeser because you're right he really hasn't been out there campaigning i really haven't seen it uh, on facebook or social media but let me me ask you this there's two questions that are kind of entwined there's you know you buy you get two questions for one or two for one the city manager and the budget Okay, yes. Right now, the city manager, if I'm not mistaken, is, is going to be uh, getting a $20,000 uh, $20, raise. Let me play you this clip, Mr. Mad uh, from a year ago, just to put this in context. Okay, just, just listen, please
2: taking a closer look at the new contract for El Paso City Manager Tommy Gonzalez.
5: Yeah, He was reappointed yesterday, but not without controversy after a proposed contract was leaked and published by other media outlets. KTSM 9 News reporter Stephanie Safer looks into why the, de- the city decided to keep his salary the same. Gonzalez is keeping his current salary of about $330,000 per year. We asked the city of El Paso to give us a list of the cities they use to decide whether his pay is fair to taxpayers. And we do have some of those cities. You can see that some of them are in Texas, two are in Arizona, and one in Oklahoma. The highest city manager salary is in San Antonio, $425,000. The lowest in Tucson at $225,000. If we focus on those two and do the math, the median salary for a city manager in these comparable cities is $325,000. $5,000 less than what Gonzalez earns. Mayor Margo says the only thing council did add was life insurance, disability and a benefit to Gonzalez's pension contributions. City reps Alexandra Anelo and Cassandra Brown voted against the new contract which, by the way, goes into effect June 2019.
0: So, they, you know, I want you to hear that, Mr. Gaina because right now we're going to have a budget for a shortfall uh, next year because of the pandemic and uh, you, you were elected mayor, that's going to be one of the, the things on the table is the budget. But that's yet, great. Here in El Paso, we're paying the city manager, we're going to give them a bonus of $20,000 when we just released 400 people from work from the city. So, I mean, what what can you address to that?
4: Yeah, listen, George, first of all, it's the wrong time to give uh, anyone any kind of race. um, You know, um, it's not the right time. People are losing their jobs. The city has furloughed uh, hundreds of city employees. Uh, We don't know where our finances are going to be now or 12 months from now. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, so yes, the bottom line is, uh, that should never have happened. Uh, if you had had a mayor that, you know, mayor Margo is going to say that it's contractually, maybe it is. I haven't seen the contract. I'm not sure that anyone's seen this contract. If I'm mistaken, uh, please correct me. But, um, but yeah, no, George, it's the wrong time to give anyone a pay raise. We have to be in this together. Uh, it sends the wrong message, especially to city employees who have been furloughed or who are not getting any kind of. Um, you know increase of, of life or increase of uh, uh, increase in their pay um, and so yeah it's wrong and then number two George let's not forget this was also an issue of process uh, We don't have transparency at city hall um, the my understanding is that the way that the mayor has handled this is that this was his essentially what we, what how Tommy Gonzalez got his pay raise or his merit uh, pay increase was because of what the mayor, a road and that other city council members didn't have the opportunity to uh, chime in so that's wrong right if we if if uh, the whole city council responsible for one position and that's the city manager then they need to have the opportunity to also uh, critique and and chime in and if the city manager has been doing a good job good for him and if he's been doing a bad job then he needs to know uh, so for me it's troubling again that that there was no transparency in that process I think El Pasoans deserve better and then number three let me just talk about the budget because I think you bring up a great point George, I am, I am nervous about the budget, right? We're going to, we're, it's not going to, we're going to be in hard times for the next year, two years. Uh, but even before uh, the pandemic and even before COVID, there's questions already about tax increases. There was already questions about how our city is spending our money. And so uh, you, you just played the, the clip of me announcing my uh, candidacy back in October of last year at Lomoland Park, where I grew up. And I said from day one, the, one of the very first things we are going to do uh, when elected mayor of El Paso is we're going to audit the city's finances from top to bottom. We need to open up the books so that citizens know where our, where the city is spending our money. And if there's room for improvement, and I think there is, let's make those changes. Let's make those improvements. Let's cut some fat off the budget. But let's make sure that we also create, this is very important. Let's make sure that we create an equitable budget so that we are able to fund uh, which we're not funding this year, George, As, le- as, as at least the last uh, PowerPoint that I saw, we are not f- funding um, sidewalks that are accessible and uh, curb cuts. Um, and so that's, that, that is unacceptable. We need to make sure that the budget is equitable across the board, right? I'm not pretending, guys, that it's not going to be easy. That it, it, you know We have some hard times ahead of us. That's okay. Uh, that's why you signed up for the job that you're signing up for, to get us through this uh, these issues, right? I want to be mayor uh, in the hard times as well as the good times, uh, but we need to get through it. And once we get through it, let's make sure that we are honest and transparent with the city's budget and their taxes. And then start to create a budget that's equitable across the board. We need more sidewalks. We need more accessibility. We need more parks. Um, we need uh, to fix our, our roads.
1: System. Need to be yeah. our roads need our to be our that, roads uh, fixed. You
4: know, exactly. So there's many things that we that that the budget needs to be addressed. Uh, we need to do a better job. Um, uh, with, with the city's finances. Well,
0: what can what, what you say right now in, in a snapshot of today's political or envir- um, city? What would you say is the biggest challenge when, for the mayor? What, what's the biggest challenge you see going forward in regards to everything that you see right now? What's the biggest challenge? You know,
4: uh, George, um, for the mayor of El Paso, I think that the biggest challenge for us is going to be uh, creating trust back in government. Uh, I cannot tell you how many times, uh, you know, I'm talking to people from all walks of life. I am calling people every day, not only voters, we're calling voters consistently, but even just friends and family or people that just want to talk. And the number one thing that I hear is that we can't trust this city administration. And so we're going to have to work through that, right? We're going to have to be able to build trust. We're going to have to be able to be honest and transparent with people, even if it's information or things that they don't want to hear. And so... uh, you know, whether that's going to take uh, myself and my new administration six months, three months, uh, I'm not hundred percent sure, but I could tell you that uh, we want to make sure that we are uh, accessible to people. And, I, and the way that I've been running my campaign is the way that people should expect that I will run the city. I've had more uh, virtual forums than any candidate. I've had more conversations across the community than any candidate. I've opened myself up, I've made myself accessible. Um, we're, gonna, we're gonna come up with, a, with uh, some policy recommendations in which as mayor, I will open up my calendar for people to see. People need to know who I'm meeting with. People need to understand who is coming through city hall. Uh, we're gonna have more public meetings than ever before. Uh, I like John Cook's policy of having an open door policy in which um, people from, uh, you know, anyone who wants to come in and see the mayor has an open door to their city government. So we're gonna do that. I'm gonna follow the lead of our Congresswoman uh, and do town halls uh, um, all over the city at least once a month. And then uh, I think we need to also have city council meetings in different parts of the city. It shouldn't be just be people coming downtown or people having to uh, go down to city hall. So we're gonna open up city uh, hall and city council throughout all El Paso. I think that will go a long way. Uh, And again, uh, we're gonna have to build trust. And then once we do that, George, and get through the budget and get through the situation that, that we have been in for the past eight years, we're going to rock and roll brother we're going to do some really good right? things for Obama. And, and
1: now that you now that you mentioned the the having the the uh, city council meetings elsewhere you know, around the city how about changing the time back to where you know yes. pe- people people can't go to those meetings and and bring up their situations or or problems or even just to to complement um because of the time you know they said the times it used to be eight o'clock in the morning you know, and people have to go to work and then now they have what, at one o'clock or two o'clock and people, are, you know, they need to make it accessible to the public so that the public public can go and actually uh, tell you what needs to, you know, what we need or or what's, you know, what some of the problems that you may encounter that you may not be aware of, you know.
4: Yeah, this is great question. Great point. And we have it in there. We're going to do uh, city council meetings at 5 p.m. I don't care if it means that myself and my colleagues have to be there through midnight or 1 a.m. Uh, there you go. I think people deserve to be able to, uh, again, be have access to their city government. We may not, uh, again, folks, let's be clear. We may we may have differing politics. We may have different ideas. We may have different ways of seeing the world. That's okay. That's, that's the beauty of being alive. That's the beauty of being a human being. And especially those of us who are asking for uh, people's votes, we need to make sure that we are accessible to people, right? To make sure that we are... Uh, um you know making sure that we are being uh honest with the way our intentions and the way that we will govern and so Jesus, I love the idea let's let's move city council back to 5 p.m it's something that I will suggest from the very beginning i have to, I have right. eight colleagues that we have to work with uh but I hope that they follow our lead and I hope yeah. that they understand that that city council needs to be, Accessible to people because a lot that, of people
0: that that are working, Mr. Guyana. Sorry to interrupt you, but you're right because a lot of people that are working like me. I work eight to five, and I used to be real political active. I'm real activist, real active in activism. You still and are? I, I don't know. No. And still. The, you
4: know, <laughs> the, what? You still are. Don't say you used to be.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Still... I just got a text right now, Mr. Mr. Guyana. The text they yes, asked sir. me to ask you is how. Uh, I'm, I'm going to mess up their text. And I do apologize. we listening. listening. I, they, uh, like, I think the question was how, or what can you do to improve the wage number one and the employment status here in El Paso regarding like having more, um, not minimum wage, but good wage yes. overall here in El Paso.
4: George, I love the question and I get so excited. Listen, uh, we, our, our. Uh, you know, I grew up in the Lower Valley, and my my parents are Mexican immigrants. My dad was a maintenance worker, uh, at a lumber at a lumber mill, and my mom a housekeeper at a nursing home. And when I was growing up, I have five older brothers, guys. All five of my older brothers, at one point when I was at Ballard High School, worked at Levi's on Pelicano. That means yeah. that they were in the garment industry, that means that they were washing jeans, right? And 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 they and that is what they did. That is what many. Thousands of El Pasoans did, right? And obviously, we know that our economy has shifted after NAFTA. Uh, But after NAFTA, what we have done for the past 10 years, which is unacceptable, is the majority of the jobs that we have created are fast food restaurants and call centers. And so we have to, we have to, and listen, guys, I don't, those are good jobs, okay? I'll take them. Uh, people need to be employed people need to make money, but it that can't be the only kind of job that we that we need that we uh, create in our city and so here's what we're going to do George. I believe that uh, i'm going to answer your question this way number one, I believe that climate change is real, and I think that we need to start addressing climate change it's the ver- very first policy that I came up with because I believe it my kids want me to address it, uh, but we could address climate change and we could create higher paying jobs in solar and renewable energy you've heard me say it before, and I'll say it again let's be the uh the sun city not just in name but in practice we have 300 plus days of sunshine and there's no reason why we can't create an economy around solar and climate change and Mm -hmm. clean energy so that's number one number two uh you know i had a great conversation with some folks at utep and their engineering program they they're 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 gearing up to do high-tech manufacturing uh i know that it's going to sound funny or it might even sound like an exaggeration what i'm about to say but our my kids my daughter is 12 my son joaquin is 10 I have no doubt that in their generation, and and, and if it's not their generation, their kids' generation, people are gonna be going to Mars. People are gonna be going to outer space. People are gonna be going to the moon. It's happening now. I'm not exaggerating, folks. And so there's no reason why uh, West Texas and El Paso and Southern New Mexico can't take the lead in this type of uh, industry. So let's do high-tech manufacturing. Let's build all those rockets and all that technology that's going up to space. Let's build it here so that those thousands of UTEP engineers, don't, go, don't have to go to Dallas or Houston to make six figures. And it's not just the engineers, it's their families, right? So when you think of one graduate leaving El Paso, you multiply by two or three people, their spouse and their kids. And so think of the thousands of people and, and, and capital and imagination and really great things that are leaving El Paso because we're not creating those types of jobs. So number two, let's do high-tech manufacturing. Let's work with UTEP. Let's build that infrastructure to make sure that we are creating those higher paying jobs. And then number three, listen, uh, we could do better in tourism, right? We have the climate. We have the Franklin Mountains. We have uh, Juarez in Mexico are going to get better. It's not going to be like that forever. And so we need to create the infrastructure so that people come here to hike and bike uh, in our great weather so that people come uh, and explore West Texas and Southern New Mexico so that people come and enjoy our great climate that creates small businesses, right? So there's something also to be said about someone that opens up his or her own business. And so uh, through a tourism economy, when we have more people visiting El Paso and more people visiting the region, George Savala is now able to take the risk of opening up a restaurant or opening up a bar or opening up a gift shop or opening up a um, a tourism tour company that's gonna take you to uh, Marfa and Big Ben and Juarez and Chihuahua and Las Cruces and TRC, right? Uh, I, I I generally believe that we could do better, guys. Uh, it's a great question, George. We need to we need to increase wages. We all know that um, having a higher paying jobs improves people's quality of life, and we just haven't had that for the past uh, many years. And
0: so, is it need- amazing, Mr. Guy, that that El Paso hasn't taken advantage of the Texas tourism industry? Because I mean, it's multi multi million dollar industry, and El Paso didn't take advantage of that. And I'm just surprised <laughs> of that.
4: It's a billion-dollar industry, and I'll add one more. Listen, guys, I get so excited about this stuff because the opportunities are endless. We just need to get to work. Uh, we have the oldest missions in Texas, not San Antonio, yeah. not San Antonio, right? I grew up in the Lower Valley, and we go down Socorro Road often. Socorro Road needs help. I get it. It's only, It's in the city and it's in the county, but we need partnerships with our local government entities so that we start to create these kinds of amenities, not only for people to come to El Paso, right? I want people to come to El Paso and spend money and and that money to translate into the economy, again, through local businesses. But I also want uh, our residents who live here to enjoy those same uh, opportunities, to be able to go down Socorro Road um, safely, whether it's a bike or you're walking. Uh, and I want people to learn about our history we We could do so much a better job with uh, cultivating our our history and presenting our history and our culture to the world. We have a great downtown let 's fix up those buildings let 's get people living in those buildings and people shopping at the first floors of those buildings uh, that, Maybe, again, that creates
0: uh, I, I need to ask you this because I asked you this the first time we met um, what 's your take on this and I, and i I'm, I think i 'm my due diligence to ask you this. What's your take on Durangito and the arena right now?
4: Yeah, George, great question. I have said, uh, we talked about it last time. And so I think that first and foremost, uh, what I had said um, uh, before the pandemic is that we needed to move the arena. We just, you know, it's been too long. We had um, Lisa and Margo um, not being able to get it done. And I believe that that had to do with them not uh, engaging the community, not having public participation. And so what I had said a few months ago is that we needed to move the location. Uh, George, again, we talked about the budget. I think we're going to be in some hard situations. And so I think we need to start rethinking whether we even build it, whether we even, whether there's even funding or, or monies available to build it. Uh, I, you know, In many ways, that ship has sailed. And it's not our fault. It's not my fault. It's not your fault. It's not anyone's fault. But Lisa and Margot, they didn't get it done. And so now it's going to be too late. Uh, I think that we need to be able to take our finances and our funding and build things that are of greater quality of life for people. Again, let's build that hike and bike trail that's 60 miles wide from county line to county line so that people uh, throughout El Paso can enjoy it. And I've said this before, George, and it's in my open space plan if you haven't seen it. That design of that hike and bike trail, George and Jesus, needs to be of a universal design so that people yeah. with disabilities have access to these things, right? So as I think through the hike and bike trails, I get it, it's, it's in the Franklin Mountains, it's, it's, out, it's out in the desert. People with disabilities need to be, uh, have access to these things, right? We, we we haven't thought about these things and George, you're the first, uh, one of the first people to educate me in this process and and, and I love you for it. Um, we need to start thinking about universal design so that it's not uh, just a few Opassoans, it's every Opassoan that can have access to these things. Um, <laughs> George and Jesus, but let me ask you guys a question. I feel like I've, I've been talking too much. What would you guys like to see? What When we talk about wages, when we talk about the city budget, uh, what are some of the things that George
0: and Jesus think about? I'll let Mr. Bautista go first if he wants.
1: Well, well part of, one of the things that, that I personally would, would like to see is uh, I'd like to see the uh, transportation for people with disabilities improve and it's not that it's not doing they're not doing a good job it's just that they need to do a better job yeah and a lot of it is is because of they always say it's well finances you know we we haven't bought any buses because we don't have the money or and and the thing is we just need to improve the quality of transportation for for blind people or people with disabilities because you know especially those people that go to the to 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 have their um, what's uh they have to go to the dialysis i mean they, they should have no reason to be uh you know l- last or second or third whenever they transport them they should have a priority and because you know those people are are hurting and when they leave they should be picked up and and directly taken to home instead you know sometimes they take him for a ride for an hour or so and and i'd like to see that quality of, of transportation improve mm
0: mm-hmm. hey, for if me well, for me, uh, I like me. I want a mayor. I want a mayor that really looks at his people. Look, looks out for the people, not for themselves. And this goes for city council too, because the city right now is in two is is over. I think two point six billion dollars in debt. In
1: the red, yeah.
0: Even though our charter has a threshold of three billion dollars, so but yet we have many many streets that are not accessible. We have um, streets that are excuse my language, shut, shut the shit. And yeah. we have um, people not making the city manager or city p- employees not making a living wage. Not minimum wage, but living wage. And not only that, like Mr. Bautista was saying, the, tr- the paratransit system here in El Paso is good. But the problem is a lot of the vehicles are aged. They need high maintenance, but yet the city will, will have no problem spending $6.4 million on a spray park, mm-hmm. but yet they don't spend money on quality of life issues. And I just want a mayor, hopefully it's you or you know, someone that cares and brings back the quality of life to people, not to themselves, so we can really enjoy have good wages in El Paso, not have minimum and like you said, Mr. Gayenad, El Paso is really driven by what restaurants, uh, you know, rest uh hotels, schools, you know, and but the yet, schools. Most of the schools, I mean most of the restaurants, hotels, they pay minimum wage, bars. I seen at one time El Paso had the per capita in the state of Texas had the most bars per capita. (laughs) That's bad. But yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. We want, I want a a person that could come in and say, you know what, we're done. We're going to improve El Paso, like you said, make El Paso better than it can can be. And to me, it's just, we're not tapping into the resources. And I hope uh, if you become mayor or anyone else that you really look into that and have an open door policy that you said you will have. Because our mayor, Mayor Margo, it's not. There's no open, there's no transparency, there's no open door. So hopefully, when you become mayor, if, if you are elected, that you understand that you work for us. We don't work, you know, and we want people to understand that. City council also needs to understand that. Works for us. Yeah, we work for, and we want, like you said earlier, Mr. Guy, talking about the city manager. Well, I'm going to go back to that real quick. When he got that raise, they didn't want to release the, the the evaluation because they said it was part of human resources but you know what be a true you know be a good uh, true man stand up and say you know what release it if i was the city manager release it i have nothing to hide that's right why, 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 why? so um before we leave mr guy then i you to just give your, your your two minutes how to say the elevator speech and number two uh give people information if you cancer how to reach out to you if they want a campaign for you if they want to volunteer or donate uh, what was the best thing I to do?:
4: yeah, I'm going to get that to you. Um, so George, uh, first of all, thank you for uh, everything that you just said, and thank you for the opportunity to be here. Uh, listen, George, the, uh, I, I generally believe that the time for El Paso is now, right? We didn't come this far uh, to just come this far. We and El Paso in the past has been a city of innovation. We've seen it in the past. We, you know, um, we, we were the, one of the first cities in Texas to um, uh, integrate our school system. We were one of the first cities in Texas and across the country to have the uh, no smoking ban uh, in public uh, places. So we've done it before, right? And I generally believe, as I told you guys before uh, earlier today, that we can be the greatest city in the United States. I have no doubt. Listen, gentlemen, we have the climate. We have the people. We have uh, a young population. We have the ganas. We have the culture of work. uh, We have a great location along the U.S.-Mexico border. The problem is we haven't had a mayor or a leader that has catapulted us to, uh, to a greatness. And so I hope to, have, level, yeah. I hope to have, that, have that opportunity. Uh, I believe that we have ran the most robust and most engaging campaign out of any of our candidates. Again, I've mentioned to you, we've had over 15 community meetings, either through Zoom, virtually, or in uh, different conversations with people. And I think it's time for change, George. People are tired of the status quo. Um, Oscar Leaser, uh who had four years in there, can't get it done. Mayor Margo has proven he can't get it done. And so we can't let the next eight years be the same as the last eight years. We need to make sure that we move forward and make sure that we have a vision for El Paso. I will end with this, uh, folks. So uh, thank you again for having me, George. My cell phone number, I'm gonna give you guys my cell phone number, which I've been giving to people, uh, whether I call them uh, on the phone when they're regular voters and they wanna follow up or friends and family. It's 915-346. Six five eight six. Please call me. Please text me. I That's want not to-
0: your number? Not really.
4: Yeah. Nine one five three four six six five eight six, and then our six, website five, is 6 for El uh, We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We are on Instagram. Uh, our em- email is info at gaionatforel People know George. I'm going to be quite honest with you, and it's not an exaggeration. People know how to get a hold of me. Uh, I put my cell phone number on our emails. I've uh, given my cell phone number on some of the Zoom calls that we've had. Uh, and so please call me. And again, I want to hear from people, good, bad, and indifferent. Uh, I want to hear people's opinions, right? Um, we may not always agree, and that's okay. Um, we may agree, and together we could get to where we need to go. Uh, but I am excited, folks. As we get closer to election, we need people to vote. We need people to come out. You know, uh, I get it. I'm running for mayor of El Paso, the city that I love, the city that I was born and raised in. I love I freaking love El Paso. Um, I love it so much. But uh, we also recognize that we have some challenges and we need to get through these things and, 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 and catapult ourselves to greatness. I've said that before. But George, we're also running, or uh, we're also gonna be voting for the president of the United States. Oh, and president, this president has caused great damage, not only to our country, but great damage to El Paso and great damage to the border and great damage to Latinos and Mexican Americans and Mexican nationals. Ya basta. Uh, I will be voting for Biden like I have uh, throughout all my life. I voted Democrat, but it is especially important during this election that Donald Trump does not get another four years. It's mm-hmm. imperative. We have to do everything we possibly can to make sure we get Joe Biden in there and then uh, make sure that we get Carlos Gainat in there as the mayor of El Paso. You
0: know, earlier we were playing that clip, uh, Mr. Gainat, I don't know if you're listening, but earlier we were playing a clip about the 160,000 people that have passed away in the United States due to the virus. And in an interview, Mister uh, the president, he said, it is what it is. And that's just, that's just to put in context what Mr. Guayana was saying that, you know what, we could sit here and, you know, bitch complain about this, about that, but we don't go out and vote, folks. That's right. That's, that's on us. That really is on us. That's right. So, Mr. Guayana, Mr. Mr. Bautista, do you have any last questions before Mr. Guayana leaves? No,
1: I just want to thank him very much for, for his participation. Jesus. Heard some, some real good things that you are, are, you know, hoping to initiate for us, and I hope you, you know, I wish you well, and and I'll be, you know, uh, hoping to, to see you as a mayor.
4: Thank you, Jesus, so much. I really appreciate that. George, thank you, brother. Please stay in touch. is okay? Everyone's okay?
0: We're good, brother. Thank you, sir. Everybody's fine.
4: Yeah. Hey, folks, listen, I, uh, George, if you want to have me on again, please let me know. Happy to do it. If mm-hmm. you want to call offline and just chat, please you know that we've talked before, so just oh, yeah. make, oh, yeah. know that I'm available, okay? Thank right, you. Bro. Enjoy your Saturday. Enjoy your weekend, okay? All right, thank you. You too. Stay safe. Right. You too. Bye bye. All right.
0: Well, that's Mr. Guy That folks. A uh, gentleman that, you know, like I said, if you want to run for president or for mayor, you have to have the heart. Be willing to take the, those hits. And, you know, there's, there's four candidates. It's up to you to want to vote. Go out there and vote who you want to vote for. But, you know what, Mr. Bolsista, I didn't think about this. And she. And, and Mr. Guyana kind of put it in perspective for me. Uh, I, people know that I'm friends with Oscar Leeser, but you know what? He was part of the, the arena project the past four years. He mm-hmm. was, you know, and I'm not trying to talk bad, so please don't think I'm talking bad about him you know, on the personal level. It has nothing to do with it. This is more on the a level of, when it comes to mayor. You know, that's sad. I think about it that, he, you know, he was involved until now was the, the state of El Paso. The budget, the streets, you know, the infrastructure. He could have done, done. yeah, he did do a lot for people with disabilities, I'm not going to lie to you. But I don't know, what do you think? I mean, just, you know. Well, I just
1: think, you know, every mayor uh, has has a different, uh, you know, uh, agenda. They all have different agendas as, what, as to what they want to do. Some think small and some think, like Mr. to think think big, you know, and and I'd rather go with, the, of course, the guy that thinks big because, you know, no matter how, if, if, if you know, no matter how small we go, if you think big, you're gonna at least fall somewhere in the middle rather than to be, think small and then you know fall all the way down. But I I just think that that the, that we need uh, a mayor that, like you said, pays attention to the public, wants to do things for the El Paso and not for the politicians or the or the elitists of this uh, city, I, uh, like like the guy uh, Foster, he you know he has the park, he owns the, and they've done nothing for us. For, as far as you know, with the park, they 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 they, they uh, in fact the police department patrols the park inside and outside whenever they're they're having games. Of course, right now they're not they're not doing much with it. But you know we spent millions of dollars. Of dollars and we destroyed a a beautiful. Um, a city hall building, so that they could build a a park. Come on, you know. I mean,
0: Mr. E- and you know what's really funny <clears throat> that that park has not really contributed. Not a not, nothing. Yeah, the city had to put put part of from the from the budget to to cover the cost. And the thing is that, like you said, at the end of the day, we just sit here and complain, but we have to go out there and vote. People like I mean, we want to. People to come into the office that we want. Like for example, we want Carlo Guinad. If we want Veronica Carvajal, we want uh, Alexandra Eleno We want. We have to go out there and vote. We have to get off our butts and go out there and vote. Well, you, well because we if you don't,
1: if you don't vote, George, here's what happens: if you don't vote, then people like the the Fosters get get what they want because there's yeah. not enough people to go against them, even though they know that they're wrong. Uh, and we need people to vote and and go out there and vote. And, and and elect people who care about El Paso. And It's too late after they've been elected to say, "Well, shoot, you know, they're not doing anything for us." Well, you you didn't go vote, or you voted for the wrong person because you didn't you do take the time to study their their their, um, their their agendas or or their you know what their their campaign. Uh, and and this is what bothers me a lot because we always we always wait and people say, "Ah, eh, it's you know." Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, uh, I'm just one vote, you know, and that's not, that's not the case. If, no. if you get, look, if all the, all the employees that the, the uh, classified employees and their families, okay, if they all had voted, they could decide who, who is the mayor of the, of El Paso. Mm-hmm.
0: And the thing is, you know, it's like. Well, not only that, Mr. Bautista, but think about this. <clears throat> There's been the options you have early voting. You have mail-in voting. You have curbside yeah. voting. You have all these resources that we could use to vote. And we still, I think El Paso was what, 4% of the voters? Uh, mind you, we at have one,
1: at 4, 12%, 000? I think, at one time. At the most, uh, I think the highest was 18 or something like that. But you know, now that you brought, up, brought up the voting thing, uh, uh, George, uh, what, what really makes me mad is that there are people in, in, in other states, Blacks, who have to stand in line for hours, six hours at a time to, to register their, their vote because they want, you know, that's the, they consider that their their uh, responsibility. And here we are in El Paso, I've never been into, into a voting booth uh, or to you know, to the building. I go in there 15 minutes, I'm in and out, and I, you know, and I've never had to stand You're outside.
0: You being a teacher. And I'm going to tell anybody who's watching and listening, excuse me, my allergies, look up on YouTube, Bloody Sunday. Look it up, folks. Look it up. And they're going to show you where uh, voters, black voters, wanted the opportunity to vote. So they crossed into Alabama, was it, or or Georgia? Yeah, yeah. Alabama. Beach, folks. They got the
1: The guitar beat out of (laughs) there.
0: And the thing is, here we are. We we have that privilege to just go out there and vote, but people have like then like these young folks, these oh not young folks, these uh, folks back in the day, nineteen sixties, they would, literally would die. They were willing to die to vote, but yet we don't. And that's what pisses me off. You know when like, Come on, man, get off your butt and vote. You know. Yeah, like,
1: and and then maybe that'll change, men, help to change the 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 way that things happen here in El Paso. Maybe you'll find some good. Good city representatives that will vote to re- repair your streets, to you know, to turn you know, fix the lighting, you know, uh, around the street. and 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 maybe it'll it'll help to improve our, our our budget so that we don't have to pay such high taxes. Instead, we 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 uh, we allow vote to vote people who have no background in economics, have no background in you know, in in, in uh, politics. They just you know, anybody can run. I mean, and, look, look and I, don't uh, have anything, I don't have anything against that, George, but come
0: on. Get, no, but look, get, look get, at, uh, at Sportsvine. He was a photographer. I mean, come on. I mean, you really? And talking about city representative, a uh, good segue here there, Mr. Bautista. Next week, we're going to have Alexandra Anello on the show. She's just city district number two, and she's running for re-election. Now, that one, like you said, Mr. Bautista, she's running, she is for the people. She has taken a lot of hits. Uh, going for us, voting for us, voting our voice, and people at a uh, city hall don't really agree with her, like Margo. Of course and
1: not. Of Iveta, course not. They're not going to agree with her.
0: Margo, our uh, uh, what's the name, the one from the uh, northeast, um Morgan. So it's Morgan. up to folks to go out there and vote. You know, say your piece with that vote. Like Mister uh, um Abel Rodriguez says, we, each of us has that bullet. We all aim at that one target. We shoot. We're going to take that voted revolution. We're going to take over. And I think that's what needs to happen to, you know here in El Paso. Well,
1: well, I want to challenge the city employees, all the city classified employees. I, I stood up for them when, when I was a uh, civil service commissioner. I stood up for them and for those classified employees. I want to challenge them to go out and vote, get their uncles, their or tias, their or tios, or their abuelitos, get their spouses, get out there and vote. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't care who you vote for, just vote.
0: Yeah. And if, if, if Mr. Bautista, if someone can wait, someone can wait for hours upon hours to wait for a movie or buy a phone, you could go out there and vote, folks. Come on. Oh, and come
1: Yeah. Yeah. Not that's, what's that's what's <laughs> upsetting <laughs> to me. Yeah. You I, know. Did
0: wanna, hey. I, I, I did want to close out with one story, Mr. Baltista. I just thought of it right now. Now I'm, gonna, I'm looking for an audio on it. Yesterday, or I think it was Thursday or yesterday. Anyways, on KBIA, they reported. About a woman being arrested because she left her dog outside, and he was in the, He was chained up and couldn't reach the water or the heat or the or the food, and she died in the heat or she died in the heat. My thing is, if you're gonna have a dog, if you're gonna chain a dog, you don't need a dog, because there's no reason on earth, in my opinion, that you should have a dog and chained chained up. I oh I hate that with a passion. I'll yeah. report your ass. I'm sorry. I've done it twice. I've, my wife has gone somewhere. I see. You, I'll report you. Because to me, why have a dog and have it chained up? Seriously. At least
1: if you're going to have them outside, at least, uh you know, provide some shade or turn him, you know, turn him loose don't, and provide the, you know, water for them. But uh these people, I don't know. You know, they're just some some people, uh their brain is down in their, you know, what.
0: Yeah. And that the second guy. The, the, the other one that got arrested last week. We talked about him. Remember? That he was at uh, first, he got arrested for shooting out the window on the freeway. And then he started a fight at a, at, a, at a house party. And Then he's the gentleman that his dog, it was a husky, he left it in the porch, 103 degrees, that the, the husky died. And I'm like, how can people have that kind of lack of empathy for, you know what I mean? I, I was, just, was this can't.
1: in El Paso? Yes. Was, well, and, and, and here's my question who in the world? doesn't know that a husky doesn't belong in El Paso.
0: No, sir. have you seen that husky, folks? I mean, come on. And then, <laughs> not, and not only that, but if you're going to have a dog of that kind of, you know, fur, I guess you want to call it, don't be so stupid or selfish to put your dog outside in the heat and not have no shading. To me, that's yeah, I mean, just, you should be, see, that should be a felony. It really should.
1: See, see George, this is why I, you know, uh, as a guide dog user, when I went to go get my dog, the only prerequisite that I made, you know, because they ask you, you know, what kind of dog do you want, and and wh- what preference do you have, and this and that, and I said I have no preference. The only re- prerequisite I have, I don't want a black dog, and you know, they said, I'm not discriminating against the black dogs. But when you come mm-hmm. to El Paso oh. with this kind of weather, that poor dog, you know, if you're walking the streets in the daytime with that dog, you know, with a black dog, um. He is trem- oh. tremendously hot for them, yeah.
0: Yep, and that's true. And that's what people don't think about. Because even like you wear black shoes in the summer, trust me, it burns, you know? Yeah. But yeah. before we go, uh, Mr. Bautista, um, the, the, how can I bring up another uh, story that I forgot about... um I'm in blank. Oh, Lord have mercy. See what happens when you get to my age, Mr. Bautista? <laughs> I forgot uh,
1: my, I don't let's not season. talk about
0: age, okay? Yeah. <laughs> All right, don't talk about age. Well, folks, just stay <laughs> out, You know, whoever's listening to us, just... You know, be safe. You know, be careful uh, with the virus. Wash your hands. You know, wear that wear damn mask. mask. You know, don't don't be so selfish and you know, just you know. At, so, at the end of the day, folks, just you know, be careful and. Well, Mr. Bautista, said it was a good show, and we'll enjoyed
1: it good. again. Uh, see we'll you see tomorrow. Oh, nice bye bye.